that time, there was a lot of people that was using what we call pencil genocide. In other words, they were changing documents in the town halls and this and that. And uh, unless you had some question about it, you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. <clears throat> you know, Arkansas, you surely didn't know all that. What did you think of black and white at the time? What did you think of white folks? As I didn't think they were real. I didn't think they were real people. Really? Uh-uh. I thought they were white folks. What? I thought they were white folks. Well, uh, what do you mean? You didn't think they were real? You don't think they had arms and legs? And oh, no, they had arms and legs, but they didn't have innards like other people. I thought if you put your hand on, on a white person, it would go right through. No. Just go, I promise you. They were white folks. We were people. You were that distant from them? I mean, oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you lived scarcely 300 yards apart in some respects. Oh, and my grandmother owned the land most of them lived on. Oh, and my grandmother owned the land most of them lived on. Oh, and my grandmother owned the land most of them lived on. Welcome to Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. This is Big PJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history. We are going to talk about some history. And um, we're going to talk about some Native American tribes. We're going to talk about some tribal names. We're going to talk about the American Negro. And his legacy and the territory that we call the United States, right? That's going to be today's conversation. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, even though we call our podcast, it's, you know, it's Real Black Consciousness Forum Podcast. We had to change the name to uh, Connecting the Dots Podcast, right? <laughs> because, you know, we, um, we pride ourselves on Connecting the Dots on this side of the fence, right? Because uh, we're going to do a lot of that today. We're going to go over like three sources, and the sources that we're going to go over, we're going to put in the uh, in the description box, so you can find that. We're going to drop that link. And of course, you know, like we always say, see this this platform, this podcast, it's based off the comments, right? The comments is the engine and the fuel to the machine. Uh, many of times when we talk about history, we talk about, again, like the legacy and lineage of the American Negro, how our people was here prior to the slave trade and uh, we was here prior to Columbus even finding this place. Right. That rubbed a couple of people the wrong way. In the comments, we got a Native American uh, brother, a red man who said that, um, he felt as though that the American Negro, by doing so, is trying to steal the culture of his people. And the name of his tribe, he said he came from the Cherokee people, right? And he felt it again, he felt as though that black folks is trying to steal his culture by saying, uh, we were here prior to the slave trade, prior to Columbus even finding this place. Uh, this position also kind of rubbed these Pan-African guys the wrong way because they're underneath the position that all of our people, right, the American Negroes, came here at the bottom of a slave ship. And the reason why they believe this primarily is not because it's in their family line. That's not the case. Nobody believes they came from Africa because they have a true African ancestor that they can point and identify. That didn't happen. 99.9% .9 of the time, when you find an American Negro saying that his ancestors came from Africa, he or she is saying that because of two reasons. One, they read it in the book, right? They did not get that. That's not part of their family history. They grandmama's grandmama, they granddaddy, granddaddy, they never heard of nobody coming off no ship. So what the American Negro do is he does something very unique, right? He will call himself something that like his parents didn't, never called themselves. It's kind of weird how, you know, like the Germans call themselves German because their grandmama and their granddaddy is German. The Chinaman that called himself a Chinaman because his grandmama and granddad say they from China. You know, um, the Korean called himself Korean because he takes on the same title that grandmama and granddad had and whatever's going on in their family legacy and lineage, that's what they call themselves. See, the American Negro, he's like, he's a little different, right? He doesn't call himself the same thing, his big mama, because his big mama said she was American. And then many of our big mamas say they was Indian. So what the 
American Negro, his mindset is kind of different. Like, you know, he loves the devil more than any other people on the planet. So if he had a choice to choose between honoring and representing the word of his family or representing the word of his enemy, he's going to always choose the word of his enemy over his own family. This is why so many of our people are running around calling themselves African. Their grandmamas and their grandfathers never called themselves African. That shit just never happened. When I say never, I mean never. Our grandparents have always said that there was American Indian or they just said there was American or there was American colored or there was American Negro. That's it. We didn't really go no further than that. But this um, this new Negro, right, he's a little different. He loves the devil, as the messenger tells us. He loves the devil because the devil gives him nothing. So whatever the devil say, he says. Right? He just regurgitates what he said. So, you know, it doesn't matter how stupid the story is, man. We got a brother named uh, W.E.B. Du Bois that said, and he was brilliant. He said that 100 million Africans came to the West, you know, during the slave trade. Right? Then there's another guy that came amongst us. His name is Dr. Henry Clark. Right? He said the same thing. 100 million Africans came here on the slave trade. Then you got a guy named Alex Haley who uh, he put it in like a video format. I mean, he swagger jacked the story, of course, but he gave us the video. He gave us a movie for him and uh, showing us, you know, how Africans came here, you know, across the Atlantic. And he, of course, he stole that story for a Jew from a Jew, of course. And uh, he was sued for like 650 K. Nobody talks about that part. You know, maybe that's a different story for a different day. But primarily, you know, these two impacts, right, literature and video is why the American Negro is saying he's African. It pretty much it comes down to that nothing else, really. I don't care how much they talk, how fancy they is. That's pretty much it. It doesn't go any further than that. Right. So he on this platform, you know, we're an American Negro because Big Mama was an American Negro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Big Mama's Big Mama, Big Mama was an American Negro. That's all we know. We don't know nothing else. We that's not in our lineage. That's not in our legacy. That's not. We ain't being duped. What we seen in the book. We ain't being duped. What we seen on TV. Like, nah, that's just not. Uh, uh that's not what we. <laughs> Do you consider yourself as an American? As yeah, I am American. You are American. Yeah, I consider my. Chef, a colored person. A colored person. Yeah, a colored person, a colored human being. Did they call everyone colored? Yeah, they called us colored people. Okay. When did they switch over from colored people to black people? Well, they just, uh, you know, I, I to tell you the truth, they, they just started uh, calling people black, I guess, because uh, it was a lot of African people in, in, in the United States back in those days. There was Africans, and then there was um, Americans. American, yeah. And they spoke a different language. Uh oh, yeah, because you couldn't understand the language. Oh really? Uh -huh. I didn't know that. No. So on the plantation, you'd have Americans, and then you'd have Africans. Uh huh. <laughs> you can do that, yo. I'll tell you something. The devil gave us two. I mean, these these are like the stupidest stories ever, right? We're going to talk about the Cherokee. We're going to talk about the Red Nation. But dig this, right? Um, he taught us, right, the devil. He taught us that the uh, the Red Man, he got here because, check this out. He was living in, um, what is that, uh, Deep East Asia. And I guess the group of people, they got bored or something. And they just wanted to go to a new territory. So it was a freezing, freezing, blistering, cold winter, right? Now, dig this now. Follow this story now. And the winter was so cold, the ice or the water, pardon me, it became ice, right? Like dry land. And this group of people from deep East Asia walked across the water and it got to a territory today that we call Alaska, right? But they, they didn't stop walking. They kept walking. They walked all the way from Alaska to the bottom or the backside, I should say, of Chile. And every landmass in between, they populated, right? Now, that's the origin that he gives us about the red man that's in the Americas. You know, that story is almost as equally stupid as the 100 million people who came over here in the slave chase story. 
But it really doesn't matter because if you kind of go around the American Negro, he's going to regurgitate them both. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't none of those stories make sense. Now, um, the messenger taught us about the slave trade. We know a hundred million wasn't involved. We know there was a small remnant involved. We also know that the uh, the black man was already here. And we also know that that slave trade that did bring that small remnant of African our people mix. And in fact, if you go up north, there's a term that the devil used. He says it's a um, he calls this place uh, like the mixing pot. And then when you go down south, he called America. The, it's the melting pot. Um, in that respect, he did tell the truth. Right. The only thing about it, he wasn't in the pot with us. Not up north, not down south. He created a class of people called white in the 1670s, right? So in the in the Americas, in the territory that we call the United States, it's only really like two types of people. You're either white or you're non-white. It's no like real in between. Everybody that was non-white was in these pots mixing together, right? So you had the Mexican in the pot. You had the red Indian man in the pot. You had the American Negro that was already here. He's in the pot. The African that came over, he jumped in the pot. And then you also had the East Indian that came over. He's in the pot. So all these people are in the pot mixing. So here on this podcast, we, you know, we self-identify as still being the American Negro. Right. We just we just a new people, man. No, we have a different genetic line. We're different than anybody on the face of the planet. We are the soul people of this nation. Now, our culture that comes out of that. Is. Um, it's popping. It's powerful. They can market it not only locally or nationally. They can take it all around. I mean, it's universally known. That's the culture of the American Negro. Now, in the comments now, what we're going to base this conversation off of, I got a, it's a red man. He talking about some, we trying to, you know, the American Negro is trying to steal Native American culture. And he said he's a Cherokee. So we're going to have that conversation today. All right. That's what, that's what we're going with that. Uh, we're going to touch on three sources. We're going to put them all in the description link, right? And uh, the name of the first source is going to be uh, it's going to be Researches into the Physical History of Mankind by James Pritchard. This is coming out of Limey Land. Uh, it was published 1826, right? I always ask some people sometimes like, yo, uh, when was the first time black folks was allowed to read? You know, that's that's important. You know, the American Negro wasn't always allowed to read. I say that because, you know, um, some folks say, well, they just be writing this stuff to kind of trip you up. So I say, well, when were you able to read? When was it legal for you to read? I'm not talking about the Bible. You know, they made sure you got that good book outside of that good book. Where did you read? I mean, I can actually use that example to like outside of the good book today. Like, what do you read? Right. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. We're talking about the Cherokees and when it comes to a Cherokee, a red man saying we're trying to steal their culture. Again, I will admit, I will say this. What we do is we take on names of folks, right? We don't know their culture to steal it, but we take on the name. We're going to touch on why we do take on the name, but I'm going to stand on this, right? Before the Cherokee was even called the Cherokee or before the American Negro. Hold on, hold on let me say it this way. Um, the American Negro was already here before the Cherokee got here. Did you hear that? If you missed it, I say it again. The American Negro was already here. Right? In the Carolinas before the Cherokee got there. The American Negro was already living where the Creeks live at, living in Choctaw country before the Creeks and the Choctaw, before they even got there. We was already there. That's a bold claim, but it's all good. You're on the right podcast. You're on the right platform. We're going to show and prove. Dig that, right? We're going to go to page... Um, where we at? Well, yeah, we're going to go to page 431. We're going to start at the bottom. We're going to talk about the Cherokees, right? Because somebody's saying that black folks are trying to swagger check the Cherokee nation, right? The country of the Cherokees lies in 34 degrees north latitude at the distance of 340 commuted miles 
to the northwestward of Charleston, 140 miles southeast of the Kabata Nation, and almost 200 miles to the northward of Muskegee or Creek County. So the background, the Cherokee country, let's just say North and South Carolina for good measure. Right. Let's let's just do that for good measure. And um, we can say as well that. I'm going to use the southeastern portion of the United States. Probably that's a little bit more fitting because, you know, these people, these they spread it across. Right. We just want to kind of use southeast eastern territory of the United States. Now. The southeastern portion of the United States. I stand on that when it comes to the American Negro. Right. We were found primarily in Central America, South America and the islands. And then when it comes to territory that we call the United States, what we talk about on this podcast is uh, California, Southern California, uh, Texas, what we call Florida Day, uh, Connecticut and the Carolinas coming all the way down to Georgia, Tennessee and Alabama. Coming back up to Mississippi, right, which is to the west of Alabama, then going to Louisiana. We got small pockets that was in all these territories, small pockets. When you got the largest amongst us was in the territory in the Americas that we call Brazil. Right. We're going to stand on that. We're going to show and prove on that. All right. But today we're going to talk about the southeastern portion of the United States, because, again, we got some red folks saying that the black folks is trying to swagger jack them. So we're going to have that conversation today. Right. Let's talk about territory that the Cherokees lived on, right? And uh, we still with the same source. We're on page 432. We're going to go down a couple of sentences, right? And it says their country, right? Talking about the Cherokees. Their country is full of earthen mounds and fortifications. The remains of some more ancient inhabitants. Let's stop. Did you catch that part right off the gate? Their country is full of earthen mounds and fortifications the remains of some more ancient inhabitants, meaning the writer, they ain't even fooled. The Cherokees is living in a territory from a people that was there before them. So to my Red Indian brothers, how can I try to swagger jack you when you came after me? Hmm? Pause. Because that's how the young folks say when they kind of, they had to say pause. <laughs> How does that happen? How does that work? We'll break it down for you later, just in case you missed it. I'm going to break that down for you. I'm going to come back to that, right? I'm going to continue to read, though. These say the Cherokees were in the same condition in which they now appear. The writer is saying that the mounds and fortifications, when the Cherokees got there, it was the same way when they got there. These mounds and these fortifications was already there before they got there. This is important. I want the family to catch this now, right? Because we're going to have a conversation about this red man and this black man, right? In the Americas. I'm going to read it again. These say the Cherokees were in the same condition in which they now appear when the ancestors first arrived from the West. So they wasn't even from that area. They moved there from the West. And what did they do when they got there? The writer says, and expelled the nations of red men who previously occupied their country, the latter, according to the Cherokee tradition, delivered to their forefathers the same story concerning the state of these mounds at their period of their own arrival. So when they got there, it was other nations of red men that was already there. More nations is already there. And the mounds and fortifications was already there when they got there. And they expelled these. That means they went to war with these folks. They come out the mountains, out of the west, they went to war, and they fought the, the original inhabitants of that landmass. This is what happened. This is also in their tradition. Dr. Burton says that according to the Cherokee tradition, they found the country at their arrival possessed by moon-eyed people who could not see in the daytime. These he supposes to have been albinos, which is Albus people. That means white folks. And perhaps the ancestors of the people of Darien. Let's stop. Let's build on that. We got to stop. We got to stop. We got to stop. 
we later down the line in this conversation we're going to talk about the albino aka the albus because that's what albino means again family that means albus that means white folks right we're going to talk about the white folks that was there right and then perhaps the ancestors of the people of darien what people are that see now we got to know our history now we got to know our history um, we had a conversation on this podcast where we already broke that down, right? This is Nunez Balboa. This is when, you know, when Nunez Balboa bumped into them folks, Panama and Colombia and all that, to the Itmos, that's when he seen black folks when he was down there. That's your people. They're talking about what we call today, right? Because we're talking about the territory that we call the United States. The territory we're talking about, the southeastern portion of the United States. So the writer is saying, perhaps the ancestors of the people of Darien, the an not the descendants. Now you gotta, we gotta, you can't miss these kind of. You gotta keep this in line. If I'm your ancestor, that means I'm older than you, right? The ancestors of the people of Darien, meaning that. These black folks in the Carolinas had a more ancient legacy in history than the people that they met in Central America. Now, this is why I tell you guys, I want you to invite. You always have to invite your Afrocentric brother here. You got to invite your red Indian brother here because these red folks is thinking we just jumping up trying to swagger jack what they got going on. We ain't doing that. How can I, again, how can I take something from you? I was, I was here before you. I got to the party before you got here. You came after me. But we're going to continue, right? We're going to continue. We're going, I'm going to touch on something else. And I'm going to, we're going to all connect the dots at the end of it all. The Chickasaws and the Choctaws, right? The Chickasaws inhabit the western part of Georgia. The Choctaws inhabit the country on the eastward of the Mississippi to the southward of the Chickasaws and Cherokee and westward of the Muskegee. The Chickasaws say that when they first came from the west, stop, they wasn't the original inhabitants of the territory that they live in either. All these Red Indian tribes are saying that they came out the mountains from the west. I'm going to continue. They had 10,000 warriors and a dog considered this as very probable since they and the Choctaw and the Chakatoma came together from the West as far as one family. So they came from the West as one family, not two different groups, just one. Dr. Burton says the Chickasaw assured me that they only a small part of the original nation and that the greater part still dwell beyond the Mississippi near where the Pacific Ocean. So let's go back to the dumbest story that the devil even told us, right? He ever told us this. He said that the Red Nation walked across, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, like, I, you know, it was, uh, man, I forgot what he called that, that story. They walked across, got to Alaska, and they came all the way down to Alaska to, to the bottom of Chile. Okay. This is how the devil tells us how the Red Man got here, right? And he makes it look like, through that story, that the red man populated all the Americas in between South, Central, and North, right? We can see that when these red folks arrived here and they got to certain territories or a certain landmass in the territory that we call the United States, there was black folks already there. See, nobody never migrated to a landmass that it wasn't already people already there. One day we're going to have to have a real conversation because we're going to go in deeper about where a lot of these red people come from. Right. We're going to go a little deeper, but that's going to be a different story for a different day. OK. Well, we're going to touch on it. Let's continue, though. They crossed the Mississippi subsequently to the arrival of the Spaniards in Mexico, for they brought them a particular breed of horses. They wasn't always there. They wasn't always there. And when I say there, again, we, we're not going to leave this part of the territory we call the United States. We're going to stay in the southeastern portion, right? So now we're talking about 
the Cherokee, we talking about the Chickasaw, and we talking about the Choctaw, right? Coincidentally, these are three tribes that black folks, they wear these labels, right? But I'm going to show you what it, why they put these labels on. We're going to go to another source real quick, right? And we're going to go to Lindsay's guidebook to Western North Carolina. Uh, this is Asheville, North Carolina, published in 1890, right? Published in 1890. Uh, the page that we're going to go to is, we're going to go to page 66. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Cherokee Indians. We're going to stay on the Cherokee Indians. We're going to do this because there's a guy that's a Cherokee saying black folks trying to steal their culture, right? So we, you know, last time I checked, we ain't got no headdress on. You know what I'm saying? We ain't running around with no headdress. We ain't, uh, we ain't got no rain dance. We ain't, uh, <laughs> we ain't going to who, who they say, is it who, who, whatever they used to do. They, they beating on their mouth and all this all kind of stuff. Like, no man, the original man, we ain't doing that. Right. But we're going to show and prove what is what. Page 66, the Cherokee Indians. And it says, uh, the writer says the most ancient history we have of the mountainous country known as the Southern Highlands. Is handed down to us through the Indian tradition by the Cherokees. We learned through this channel that before this ancient tribe of warriors conquered this section and settled in their present territory, the country was occupied by a tribe of moon eyed people. We see that term again, moon eyed people, who were unable to see during certain periods of the moon. And that during one of these periods of blindness, the Creek Indians poured through the mountains passes and massacred the entire race. Later, the Cherokees made war upon the Creeks and almost annihilated the tribe. All right, let's stop. So now this gives a little bit more context. We see the term moon eye people once again, right? And the moon eye people was described as uh, two different types of people that the last wrote wrote about. The ancestors of Darien, which is black folks, and then the albino people the albus people uh which is white folks right so that's who they ambush and then the last writer also talked about um the cherokee uh, uh had a beef with red nations so now this writer he gives it a little more clarity he gives you one of the names of the red nations that he had a beef with was the creek right he just bringing they just like bringing you know more context of what was going on but the creek also was in battle coming out of the mountains with these two groups and these groups that we see is black folks and the albino people which is white folks right so now we got two red indian nations fighting a albino group and the black group and then the writer says that these two red groups fought each other right but we're going to continue from the legendary romances Right. We find in traditions of the Cherokees, we are led to believe that the time when this once great nation first conquered the country was at last very ancient period. The fact of their adopted country being the seat of many of their religious legends is sufficient proof of this feat. The writer going to continue to say, though, we are, however, enabled by the aid of modern science to trace with some degree of accuracy the history of a grand race of people who occupied these sunny plains many years before the Indians were here. Let's stop. Did you catch what the writer said just then? That was powerful. Did you catch that? Yo, the writer is saying this. When they first encountered, and I'm talking about they, these Europeans, when they first encountered these Indians, these Cherokees, Right. When he first came in contact with them, they they put on the act like they was very powerful people. And they put on this act like, uh, you know, the legacy that was associated to that landmass was all them. You know, they you know, they they adopted the country. The writer went to say that they adopted being the seat of many of their religious legends, meaning that the people that was there before them. When the Cherokee went to war with these people, they took on the identity. They made it look like that they was the people that they, they was the mound builders. They were the people that put up these religious temples. 
they were the people that built these tombs. But the writer said they figured it out. He said, yo, the writer could the devil come back and say, no, no, no. Through the modern aid of science, we figured out that wasn't them. Them meaning the Cherokees. Everything that they told us, this is how the devil was saying. The Cherokees was lying. They was pulling the hoax. They took on the identity of the people that they pushed out. So to bring it full circle, right? Because this is what this is what gets me. How can a red man try to tell a black man he's still in a culture where the white man figured out, no, 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 you're the culture vulture. You was taking the, the people that was before your identity. That wasn't even your identity. You're stealing their identity, and now you're trying to make it look like it was yours. And we figured you out through modern science that, no, that's not even you. Because the stuff that these people were doing, it doesn't match up with you. You're faking. You're swagger jacking, beloved. Uh-oh. You didn't think we was going to figure it out? <laughs> hey, yo. They asked the messenger, can you fool the original man? The messenger said, not nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> how are we gonna be like you and i'm talking this is a black man an original man talking to the red man beloved how are we gonna be like you you imitating us how does that work you know what i'm saying hey yo you like uh what the kid named like charleston uh i can't think of that devil name like charleston helston or something like that when he's acting like he's Moses, and, I mean, this dude is just, he a real 100% devil. And he's acting like he came out of Kimmin and all this, and he was confused. Come on, bro. you We we seen the movie. We know Charles and Hel All y'all, come on, man. We know that y'all type of people didn't come from that type of, that part of the planet. We know that didn't happen. The story was so slow that the Cherokees was trying to get a, the devil. The devil figured out that story didn't even fit you. But we're going to continue and we're going to bring everything back full circle, right? We're going to bring everything back full circle. This people, talking about the original people that was in this land before the Cherokees took it. This people were no doubt well advanced in mechanical skill, were consecrated in religion, and practiced the arts to the marked extent, as evidenced by the numerous relics found in the great number of mounds scattered over this section which are but sepulchres of this ancient people designated as the mound builders, quote unquote. Many of these interesting mounds are found to contain skeletons, pottery, mechanical instruments, and weapons of war. Some have even been found to contain human skeletons encased in plate of mica. While most of the rich mica mines in these sections give evidence of having been worked many centuries ago. Let's stop. These Red Indians' history was too recent for them to be the people of ancient Southeast America in the territory that we call the United States. They wasn't the mound builders. And once they pressed the issue through traditions, these Red Native Americans came clean and said, no, when we got here, these mounds was already here. I mean, all these, uh, these relics that you find all these, you know, these mechanical skills that was advanced and things that we built for religious purposes, they was already here. All these mechanical instruments um, that was for entertainment and for war, they was already here. When we pushed the other people out, when we had war with the people that was here before us, that stuff was already here. We didn't we didn't bring that with us. We just acted like that's part of our legacy, but that's not our legacy. We're going to talk about one more source, right? We're going to talk about one more source. And remember, have your Afrocentric brother drop a comment. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a good conversation. Have your Red Indian brother join in. Because they're thinking we're trying to be them. We do, out of our ignorance now, I will admit, we take on titles that doesn't belong to us. See, the American Negro, we don't know. See, we call ourselves Cherokee. We ain't still in the culture. We got the title. We haven't figured out through knowledge and understanding with sound and right reasoning that we were here before the Cherokee was here. So how could you be Cherokee? See, that's why if you watch this on this podcast, we don't use certain titles. We don't use certain tribes because we, we fully understand that. See, the knowledge itself of our people has been taken from us. It's restricted. 
the religion was stripped, our identity was stripped, you know, our proper titles and language that was stripped from us. They didn't take that from the African. See, every time the devil give you an African story, these folks kept it. When he give you the Phyllis Wheatley story, and we know Phyllis Wheatley is fake. He didn't take, they, they didn't bring the quote unquote Phyllis, even in the story now, when Phyllis Wheatley got to the Americas, they didn't take her African languages. And the story that they give us about Phyllis Wheatley, they taught her damn near two more languages. She came over with an African language, as they say. Then they taught her English, which is one language. They taught her Latin, which is another. See, this whole thing that they beat your culture out of you, and they didn't do that to the African. They teach us about another African that came over on the slave trade. His name is Omar Ibn Said, right? They teach us these stories about these people that came over. Omar Ibn Said, when he got to the Americas, he spoke Aramaic. When he died, he spoke Aramaic. They didn't beat no language out of him. You, you see what I'm saying? The last slave ship to come to the Americas was a brother named Cujo Lewis, right? We had a conversation about him on his platform. I went to African town, right? Whether, whether, uh, where the ship came, I went there. I visited his gravesite. I even went downtown. They have a place downtown Mobile uh, named Cazolos, named after him, right? I talked to a, a brother named Mike. I believe his name is Mike. I talked to his wife. They know the whole hit. They're part of Africa Town. I did all of that. When Cujo Lewis got here, nobody took his language from him. The only person that don't have no language is the American Negro. All these other Africans, yo, check this out. We just got to make some things. We got to just have common sense now, common sense. These people are teaching us, right? The devil, the devil is teaching us that he says, um, he says that a hundred million came over. We know that's a farce, right? So he fixed it. He, he created a new website and he put Professor Henry Gates up in front of us. And Professor Henry Gates said, 12 million came over, but only 10 million survived, right? Out of these 10 million that they say came over, Africans, and the translated slave trade, uh, there's so many millions that they say came while the slave trade was illegal. That means before 1808. And then, um, well, well, let me say it this way. There were so many that came over while the slave trade was quote-unquote legal. That's before 1808, right? And then he said that there was many more Africans that came over when the slave trade was quote unquote illegal. That's after 1808. Now I want you to do the math in your own head. That means that 1810, 1820, 1830, 1840, 1850, Africans by the hundreds of thousands are still coming over, right? In 1850, and then there's a civil war 10 years later. They mean all them folks should still remember their language. Whatever country they came from over there, they should, why would you lose it? Nobody beat it out of you. Shit, you free, right? Why would, why would you, how could you forget something in 10 years that you've been doing all your life? You forgot it in 10 years? That don't even make sense. You think, you can't, me, myself, you couldn't put me somewhere and 10 years later I forget English. All the English? No, that doesn't make sense. So they mean that there should be pockets and pockets of pockets of people still holding on to African languages. The small pockets of people that you do see still holding on to African languages, they're in South America, which only makes sense. They didn't have no need for American Negroes or black folks or quote unquote illegal Africans to come to the wilderness North America after 1808. You could do the math. They shipping Negroes out of here. Uh, through the American Colonization Society in 1820, right? They shipping thousands of Negroes out of here to Sierra Leone, to Liberia. You know, they pushing us out. Why would you have a, a illegal slave trade to bring Negroes in when you sh you shipping us? That don't even make sense. Maybe that's a different story for a different day, right? Because I had to break that down a little further on that. But I'm just that just goes to show you the stories that they tell you don't even make sense, right? But again, different story for a different day. Um, we at the Atlantic Journal and the Friend of Knowledge. This source is written by uh, C.S. Raffinik, and it's coming out of Philadelphia, 1832 to 1833, right? And what he was talking about primarily is that this writer talked about the primitive 
black nations in the Americas, right? He touched on a lot of nations that we already touched on. He break in detail. He talks about it all, right? Um, we're going to touch on like maybe two or three bullet points that he wrote about. But again, all the sources is going to be in the comment box if you want to take a look. And I mean, it's going to all be there for you, right? We want to start at bullet point 10. Then we're going to touch on 11 and then we're going to touch on 12. Because remember, we have these red Indian folks saying that black folks are trying to steal their culture. Like we're trying to imitate them. Right. But, you know, uh, like Big Mama say, if it don't come out the wash, it'll come out the rinse. Right. So we're going to just show and prove. No, that's not the case. And we also want to show and prove to our like Afrocentric brothers. That's not the case either. Bullet point 10 says that um, the insulin or the estetos of New California, ugly blackish Negroes. Okay, so on this platform, we talked about how uh, when the explorers got to Southern California and Central California, they seen American Indian tribes that look as though that they was out of African stock. In fact, one writer said that when he came in contact with these black Indians in California, he said they look no different than the blacks on the plantation in Santo Domingo. Right. So that just let you know it wasn't no they looked at exactly the same. Now, if you ask anybody today, well, what happened to these uh, black Indians that they found in California? Nobody knows. It's like this disappearing. Like everybody just somehow disappeared. No, they didn't disappear. They wrote them out in history. Right. Let's go down to bullet point 11. The black Indians met by the Spaniards in Louisiana in 1543. See Soto's invasion. Let's stop. Let's talk about that bullet point. Black Indians was met by the Spaniards in Louisiana, 1543. Oftentimes on this platform, right, when I started talking about black Indians, the American Negro that was already here, oh, V, you know, you are, they, they say, oh, you being pseudo, oh, you cherry picking this. And you, How could you cherry pick a bullet point that says the black Indians were met by the Spaniards in Louisiana? You can't, there's no, you can't get no easier than that. In 1543, but dig this, though, when they start talking about blacks in the wilderness of North America, beloved, they told me and you that the first African slave ship didn't get here to 1619, Jamestown, Virginia. So how did you already have black Indians already in Louisiana in 1543? Somebody's lying to you, beloved. Somebody is it's not adding up. What happened to these black Indians that was in Louisiana, though? Nothing happened to them, man. They wrote them out of history. They're calling them African today. Whoever they are, oh, man, these brothers from Africa. Yo, I'm going to tell you something, man. When you start talking to these Afrocentric guys, man, listen, it's just these guys have the weirdest concept I've ever seen in my life. Everybody that got the same paint job as you is from Africa. But then it's kind of weird because they tell you that life started off in Africa. So if life started off in Africa, why 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 you don't put these African title on the Mexicans? Why you ain't putting this African title on the Turks? Why why didn't you call them African Turks? Why didn't you call them African Germans? Why didn't you call them white folks the African English? They don't do that. They start talking about the DNA test. DNA test, come on, man, that stuff is bruh. Come on, we doing we. That stuff is less than 1% accurate. But even if we talk about the, let's talk about the DNA test, if everybody's from Africa, what are we taking a DNA test for? It's like you can't make some of this stuff up. These Afrocentric guys, and again, I cannot reinforce this enough, beloved. Listen to me. Yo, this is banana spike, but check it out. They have it in their mind that all of life started in Africa, just like this out of Africa theory they got from a devil. And if you start seeing black folks around the world, it's two type of things that's behind that. Either he migrated there from Africa, right? Or he started having sex because they make these, they don't know they're doing this, but they're making these African people super hypersexual where they start intermingling with all these people groups around the planet and then just having a brand new uh black offspring and this is why you see black people around the globe but there's no way that black folks negroes could just be already at the territory that they already at so look it's kind of like a weird mental game that they play 
if I show our people Negroes that's already in the Americas, and they say, well, where did it come from? I say, well, he just was already there. No, 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 no. He's in the Americas, not no Negro. He just didn't come out of thin air. He had to come from somewhere. Then I show him black folks in Solomon Island. Hey, look, man, there's black folks in Solomon Island. No, no, that black man in Solomon Island, he's um, he's African. He, he, you know, they migrated over there. I'm like, yo, he was just always there. He can't be just always there. He just can't come out of nowhere. I say, all right, all right. Okay, well, this is what you got going on. And then when you talk about Africa, you say, yo, 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 this guy's African. He's black. And I say, well, where did he come from? Oh, he was just always there. Well, damn, wait a minute, dog. When I showed you other Negroes around the world, you said he just couldn't come out of thin air. But all of a sudden, when we talk about Africa, he can come out of thin air. Like, so what is it? Like, <laughs> so like, wait a minute. Is it something about the air in Africa? You know what I'm saying? The water, the land, where black folks can just come out of thin air when it comes to Africa. But he can't come out of thin air in the Americas. He can't come out of thin air when he's an Aboriginal out of Australia. He can't come in thin, you know, he can't come out of thin air when he's in Solomon Island. It just can't happen. Like, somebody got to make it make sense to me. Uh, but maybe that's a different story for a different day. Right? Maybe that's a different story for a different day. We talking about Cherokees today and black folks, you know, these, these, these red folks saying we trying to steal, you know, the Cherokee nation identity and it's this nat, this nat, we're going to get that straightened out today, right? Bullet point 12 is where we at. Right. Bullet points where is where we at. And it says the moon eyed Negroes and albinos destroyed by the Cherokees and seen in Panama. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. And we're going to end it right here. If you take a close look at how it was written. All three writers are saying the same thing, just a different way. Right. They all saying the same thing, just a different way. They taught us, though, that we didn't get here to 1619. 20 some odd niggas is what the original document say. It didn't say nothing about no Africa. It said 20 some odd niggas. Then they changed that to 20 and some odd Negroes. And then they changed that later to 20 and some odd Africans. So we can see in real time, everybody that's been called Negro before they're coming back in real time and changing the term Negro to African, right? The moon eyed Negroes, beloved, and albinos was destroyed by the Cherokees. Now, I'm going to show you how they write you out of history. When you begin to look up the moon eyed Negroes, they're not there anymore. That term Negro is gone. You're going to see moon eyed albinos and then they're going to put the welsh on that right the welsh people on there okay so when we looked at the first source it said uh the albinos and the ancestors of the people of darien when they said the people that's what he was talking about black folks negroes right if you go look at a 20th century writer and you look up anything you start to research about moon eyed and you put that in conjunction with the cherokee that Negro was gone. He's already written out of history. So what that does, it confuses a lot of people. When many of us with knowledge itself who connect the dots say, no, this is how it really worked. And we then we show and prove. Our people is more awakened and now they can connect their family story. What what history really said. Because that's what we that's kind of like what we do here. We, we just put. Our stories run hand in hand with your family story. Your family story was that you was already here. That was your family story. But I said, you know, the American Negro, he's kind of funny. He liked to call himself something different than what his family is. He just, he loved the devil. He wanted to just take the devil's word for it. Okay. Since you love taking the devil's word for it so much, anytime I bring you a document or a source, it's always devil's work. I never bring you original people's sources. I just never do it. Our people love it better when they hear from a devil. So this is what the devil said. The devil said it was black Indians already in Louisiana. That's not no runaway slaves because there's no plantations yet, beloved. The territory of the United States don't have no plantations yet. Remember, all the plantations came in this territory that we call the United States after 1619. So how do you get black Indians in Louisiana already? They just was already there. 
They was already there. Oh, man. I'm telling you, beloved, we got some work to do, man. Hey, man, we got we got some serious we got some serious work to do, man. We got to do a lot to wake our people up. I'm going to leave you with this, right? We're going to close out with this because we're going to have to just just on a common sense level. We got to close out with this. You know, Alabama. Right. And I'm going to tie this all in. When you look at the territory of the Cherokees, southeast portion of the United States, Choctaw and Chickasaw. Right. It come all southeast territory in the United States. Now, all three traditions of these tribes, these Red Indian tribes, saying they move here from somewhere else, from the West, right? When they come in contact with these albinos, these Albus people, they are the Welsh people when you do the research. The Welsh entered into the United States around 1100 AD, about 1200 AD, and then they began to migrate, you know, migrate up. But then, of course, there's another population that they're with, there's black folks. Right. There's pockets of black folks that is along these same lines as the Welsh. The Negroes is written out of history. The Welsh is kept. Right. But check it out. If the Welsh by record didn't get here to again, 1100 A.D. or 1200 A.D. And then they didn't get, you know, Cherokees didn't invade the two groups until after then. At least, you know, exactly about what time frame that the Cherokees, Chalksaw and Chickasaw even got into the picture. So I say all that to say this, these stories about these red Indians, they was here for hundreds of thousands of years and all that. That's hogwash. That's not true. That's false. That's 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 number one. Right. Number two is this. And you just got to have to just common sense now. You just taught me and it's for the Afrocentric brothers. They teach you that you was a sucker. You came over on a slave ship. You was pissing and shitting on each other. And when you got here, you know, this white man, he slapped you around. He put you, you worked sun, sundown. He raped your woman and all that. And you mean to tell me after that poor treatment all your life, you jumped up 10 years later, five years later, 15, 20 years later. And then you took a gun to fight for this country that robbed you from your native land. That really doesn't make sense because you just was a sucker. That's how you got on the bottom of the ship. And then all of a sudden you're patriotic. Why would you, why would the African be patriotic? That don't really make sense. Like, why would you be patriotic? The only people I can see being patriotic is the American Negro because he, he was already here. He's fighting for his own land. That makes sense to me. The red Indian man, he's not patriotic at all. He was always here. Why he's not patriotic. That really don't make any sense. And then the faces, if you, Kind of really talk to red men, right? You talk to these red Indians. When he started talking about the commodities that was the face of this country, it doesn't match up, right? Like, for instance, the face of this country is corn, um, is cotton, is king. When you look back at history, the face of cotton in the Americas have always been the American Negro. Because he come from the territory that was over the commodities. The Indian man face is not on these commodities. His face is not on the corn. Even when you go to the islands in south and even beneath that, he's not the face of tobacco neither. He's not the face of none of the commodities. All the commodities, when you start looking at the very early stages of the Americas, when it comes to the southeast portion, is the Negro is the face of everything. He's on the face of the money. Not the red man. Every single war that this country fight, you see the American Negro, not the red man. You see the red man in the Civil War. He's fighting for the South. <laughs> he dig that. He's fighting for the South, which is um, which has kind of got a lot of inner working parts. But the South was trying to keep the Negro underneath a slave contract. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me say this. Let me say this real quick. When you start saying Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War, right, 18, let's do 1860 to 1866. Let's just keep that marker, right? You see the Emancipation Proclamation. You see the Confiscation Act being passed. Okay, now, now watch this. What Abraham Lincoln was doing was he was creating a new contract, right? So you couldn't split the union. He has created a new contract in which um, 
it was more uh how can i say it? it was like it was more geared towards the woman of color that was underneath a slave contract that civil war wasn't really to free all black people because many of our people was already free see the way slavery worked on the business level was that see the plant see you took after the status of your mother so if your mother was a person of color and she was a slave by by right of law when she had children they fell underneath the status of slavery and then they were subject to the plantation owner that they work for right okay um so i don't care if your mama was blue black it doesn't matter if she was dirt blue black if her status was a free person of color if she had 10 children all of those children would be underneath the free person of color status right if your mom was a person of color and she was in the status of a slave bonded by a contract all of her children would then be slaves for that plantation that she worked for what abraham lincoln did was he broke the contract meaning her children had the freedom to work for any plantation owner that they wanted it's more moving parts than that but it takes i had to really sit down and break that it wasn't for all blacks it was a contract that he was breaking where they can work for they can go up north and work they can work for mr johnny up the house they can go anywhere they want to work before then in order for her children to be free to work for any plantation they had to be sold the contract had to be sold from an auction block from one person to another owner to another owner that's how it had to happen abraham lincoln stopped that so that means that maybe this is a different story for a different day but you can pretty much go work for any plantation owner that you want you know what i'm saying it's not necessarily a freedom it is free i guess in a sense because we kind of do that today like you you choose your employer you're not subject to work for the employer that your mom had to work for because her status you felt underneath her status that was broken up but maybe that's a different story for a different day right because that takes you know it's gonna take a whole it's gonna take a little minute to kind of break that down because i know how they teach us how it works but it's, it's a little different than how they talk right Again, I'm gonna say this though. Your people, the American Negro, was the face of commodities. You have to ask yourself if this red man was always here, why isn't he the face of anything? He's never, you don't really see this guy for two, three hundred years. You don't know what he's doing, where he's at. You have no you have no clue. Yo, watch this. I'm gonna show you something else. When it comes to like watermelon. Watermelon became a commodity in the United States. You know who was the face of watermelon? The African. Our African brothers, our African sisters, our African grandmamas and granddads who became part of our American Negro family tree through assimilation. They are the face of watermelon commodity because watermelon does not come out of the Americas. That is an African product. And we had no we had no idea how to mature plant and raise that product because we're not africans the africans had to come over and bring that commodity here they became the face of it so when you go back to history and you look at the jokes like you know the, like these character jokes they always put the black african with the watermelon and you know you know the devils they say oh they call that nigger apples but the reason why that African was the face of watermelon because that was his product that he brought to the Americas. The American Negro had nothing to do with that. The African had to show us how to work, how to how to actually plant and you know, uh, or I should say, sow and reap that particular fruit. We had no knowledge in doing so. So we can see the union between the African and the American Negro. We are one. What is Red Man at? And by him to say that we're trying to take his culture, beloved, not to be disrespectful, but when it comes to the Southeast portion of the United States, when it comes to commodities, and when it comes to your own traditions, we can't steal a people's culture that came after us. And I say that respectfully. Peace and black power to you, family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hey Amen. Thank you guys for hanging out. We're going to have to dig deeper on these type of topics, all right? 
Until next time, man, it's Big VJ, man. Real Black Content Forum Podcast, man. I get it with you guys later. Peace.